Yes, people, it's episode 194 of Griff's Brain Dump, and it's me, Griff, obviously. How are you doing? Are you well? It is Saturday, 4.56, and uh, I'm at home, chilling, just finished doing housework before I head out to a gig tonight down in Surbiton. Um, yesterday, I was at Up the Creek Comedy Club at Greenwich, which was great. Um, first weekend gig I've done there, so that's good. I think it went pretty well. Um, it's yeah, it's good to be in front of a proper comedy crowd. Just been writing new material today, actually. Uh, I'm gonna try that shit out today on stage um, down in Surbiton. See if they go with it. Um, I want to try it out with these lot because I'm not sure this is the crowd for the material. So if I can make it work with these lot, then it'll give me a lot of confidence to do it in front of a crowd that I think it will work with. Got some Jerry Springer references, gonna be talking about trans stuff, gonna be talking about women. Uh, just try to work this shit out. I mean, if I'm not getting paid, um, and there's, I guess there's no progression, then you're getting some new material. You've provided me a cool crowd, um, so I'm gonna provide you some new material. That's that's the deal. If you pay me, then I'll I'll come with my actual a1 shit and actually try to be really funny all the way through i mean i'll try to be funny tonight but it just may not be <laughs> that's all um it was going on this week uh yeah so i gigged yesterday on friday um have you gigs any other day this week at all nope um so no no gigging what's but uh, talking about comedy, I did watch on TV on Thursday, if you haven't watched it, uh, Black, British and Funny, uh, Mo Gilligan, um, documentary on the Black British comedy circuit, or as PC people might call it, urban, the uh, urban comedy, Black British, it's the Black British comedy circuit. Um, even if you're white and you're on the circuit, you know you're on the Black British comedy circuit. Kevin J, White Yardy, they're... There on the Black British comedy circuit. That's yeah, you know, it's it's what it is. These words aren't offensive, and um, yeah, it was just a good documentary, man. It was it was good to watch. It's like I said, very humbling to see so many legends and pioneers in the Black British comedy circuit who I've met. Uh, not only have I met, I've gigged with. Not only have I gigged with, there, I have the numbers in my phone and. Um, and, you know, and they booked me for gigs and I've gigged with them. Like, that's what's so annoying about this bloody coronavirus this year, man. I've really felt there was some momentum picking up this year, you know. In in the, just before coronavirus, in, in space of a few months, I managed to meet uh, for the first time Curtis Walker. Literally, yeah, Curtis fucking Walker, man. Um... And him actually really acknowledge who I was. Like he was emceeing uh, one gig he was doing in Streatham. And I was, it was one of those gigs where it's like, it was, it was Victor Daniels gig, so I'm, I'm friends with Vic. And it was like, okay, it's, you know, it's, it's he himself on this, whatever. But then when I was, realized that Curtis was emceeing, I was like, okay, I really want to actually do pretty well. I, I want to do well. I want him to see, you know, because he hasn't seen me before. Especially when I meet like these legends backstage, I'm just, I'm not trying to crack jokes or anything. I'm just trying to be humble, polite. That's it. That's all I'm trying to do until I've got on stage. 
Um, you know, I'm not trying to be the life and self of the party backstage. I'm just just there, just doing as I'm told. Uh, so I got on stage, did my thing, and it did. It went really well. And then he came, and he was just like, "Oh man, that's really impressive. How long have you been going for?" And just like, "Yeah, do you know what? that was wicked." And I was like, "Shit, that's Curtis Walker said I was wicked." And then fast forward to Catford. Catford Broadway Theatre, and that's, that's one of the theatres that I've always wanted to gig in. But on the show, you'd see they talk about Hack the Empire, but for whatever reason for me, Catford has this thing. Maybe it's because I've got family in South London. That's one of the first places I, I saw, you know, this black comedy that, that is on that documentary. But so, as I remember being Catford, and being like, yeah, I want, this is sick. And, um, yeah. And Curtis was hosting that show. And I did my thing, you know, performed and I felt it went all right. And I came off stage and he just grabbed my arm and dragged me back to the middle of the stage. And he said, no, I told these people who you are and tell them where to find you. And da, da, da. And I think just because he amped me up that the crowd literally got their phones out and started following me and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, sick. Like... And it's like, right, he, like, he actually knows. And then he came on stage. It's like, yeah, that was wicked, man. Da, da, da. And, and, and he was referring to back to my previous performance. Oh, shit, he knows who I am. So that's what I mean. So those kind of like pioneers, people that I was a bloody kid when the real McCoy was on. And then to be sharing the stage of someone like that. Um, Jeff Schumann I met as well and gigged with. And swapped numbers and stuff. So, he's, you know, those guys, John Simmett. Um, and you saw his the little symbol of the man for his comedy club. And that's like that is the longest running British Black British comedy club um, promotion. And yeah, and I've gigged for him multiple times in Luton, in Birmingham, and yeah, it's just nuts. Slim. Uh, you saw, and then you saw people just being interviewed as well. Quincy, Ori, Kane. These are all guys I've, I've gigged with and stuff. And Ori, I have to say, someone I've gigged with. Ori, I'd class as a friend. So, Travis there with his mum, Angela Mar. Again, it's just nuts to see all these people there. They've all been in the game for a while. And sometimes when you're so close to something you don't actually see what it is and it, like that that documentary for me was great to be able to take a step back and really see what these guys have created and continue to uphold and, and maintain and the kind of responsibility comedians of my generation have now to not only just go on stage and perform well but to carry on this industry. It's not just as simple as going on stage performing. We've, when this lockdown and coronavirus goes away, uh, it's going to be our responsibility to put these gigs on and keep this industry going. And that's, that's going to be, that's going to be the challenge and the fun, but it's our responsibility to do that. But I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But it's a great documentary. Go watch that. Um, uh, yeah, it's just it's just great seeing that insight into uh, into the industry that I feel a part of and feel a lot of love, a lot of love for. And it's interesting because being in that in in that um, in that circuit, right? Because you ha do have the black British 
comedy circuit, urban, black circuit, whatever you want to call it. Then you have the mainstream, as they were saying. And yeah, there is this kind of, there is this thing from the mainstream of, it's almost like, it's almost like there's a, a foreignness to the black British comedy circuit and almost like a fetishism and kind of like, uh, almost like a colonial explorer perspective. Like they want to come over to our circuit and be like, all right, I want to see what this is all about. What is this? What is this thing here? Because I'm gigging in the pub basement and I'm trying to get five minutes at this comedy club. Whereas I'm seeing that you were at the Indigo too, Darren. Doing urban. And it's almost like they see you do these big theatres and then you come back and you're, you're on the same lineup as them doing this pub gig in a basement or an attic. And they're like, oh, I saw you at, um, at like, uh, at the Glee Club. What was that for? I was like, oh, I was, I was, like, oh, was in urban night. Oh, okay. They're in their heads. Oh, it's not a real thing then. That's fine. Because I thought you was actually on the Glee Club, you know, at, on a normal Saturday night, whereas the mainstream night. I was like, oh, okay. The one where you'd have to go to the exact same place as I did, um, do the exact same amount of time as I did. But you'd be doing it to a smaller crowd for no pay. And I'd be doing it to a bigger crowd uh, for pay. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? But in their minds, like, yeah, but you're beneath me. That 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 show was beneath me. Whereas the other guys are like, okay, how do I get on to the urban circuit? Where's the open mic nights for me to get on? I was like, there isn't any open mic nights. You just have to just tell your jokes. And your jokes would not fly. Your jokes would be dead. Because you have no affinity to the crowd at all. That's it, though, man. But that was good. It was a good documentary. I enjoyed it a lot. So I recommend watching that. Um, but what else been going on this week? Uh, just arguing on Facebook. It's fun. I guess it's a source of material. Uh, <laughs> one of them... Uh, <laughs> One argument that was on Facebook, a debate. So it was this meme, right? I guess I should get the meme up to read it verbatim. Verbatim. Okay, so the meme says, with spelling errors included, How old was you when you found out Sade was the name of the band? And then an ellipsis. It goes, and her name is Helen. So, for me reading that, I was just like, I didn't know Shado was the name of the bad. That's all I thought when I read that. That's all I, that's all I took away from the meme. Was, I didn't know that Shade was a band as well. I thought that was just her name. Uh, and then her name is Helen. I knew that. Because I knew Shade was her middle name. Because it's follow Sade. Yeah. And. Um, yeah. His name's, her name's Helen. Follow Sade. Adu. I knew that. Didn't think it was um, a big deal. And I just saw that meme and thought. Well, whatever. Didn't know that it was the bad name. Two twos now. <laughs> I go back to this thread on Facebook. And all hell's broken loose. 
on this thread and it's a few guys who are getting annoyed at how they're saying that the, the meme's stupid it's misleading uh, and it's erasing uh, Yoruba culture and I was like what? what? how's this happened? and it's like they're trying to make her her name's Helen when her name is Fola Sade and I'm like yeah but her name is Helen as well yeah, they go, nah, but her name's Sade. Her name is Sade. The meme's stupid. I'm like, the, uh, I mean, it doesn't say all the information, but what's in the meme is true. Her name is Helen. And they were not having it. They're like, no, no. They're trying to get rid of the African name. And I was like, what? And it's like, see, the fact that they even named the band Sade shows you that Helen don't even mean anything as a name. And I was like, hold on, like, he can't say it doesn't mean anything. It's her actual name. Her name is Helen. And then, oh, he just went loose. It was crazy. Then it became like a Jamaica versus Africa thing on the thread. Not from me. Not from me, mind you. People talking about, uh, oh, it's all fine when it's uh, when you're laughing at Jamaicans, but this bit of banter, what, is, is too much for you? And then people was like, oh, you know, it's just because you've got a slave name. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, all over a meme. In black history, well, black people falling out over a meme. That's actually factually correct. And just grammatically a bit rubbish. Uh, oh, it was just not. I couldn't believe it. It just made me laugh just how... Uh, how... The same bit of information can be interpreted in so many ways. And then not even that, the meaning that's attached to the interpretation. Some people really saw it as like an attack on on Yoruba culture. On, on If they found the meme anti-African. I'll read the meme to you again. How old was you when you found out Sade was the name of the band and her name is Helen? I just like, for me, what I did immediately when I saw that meme, right? I just thought, no, no way the band is called Sade. Let me see on their Wikipedia. And I look on Sade's Wikipedia, and it goes, Sade, full name, Helen, follow Sade, Adu. Uh, his part is um, better known as Sade. He's the lead singer of the, what's the word? Ep eponymous band. And I was like, oh, wait, so the band, and I said, like, band, clicked on the link, and then it had the Wikipedia page for the band, Sade. And I went onto the website of Sade, and said, this is the band's sixth album. And I was like, what? How do I not know this? When I've actually seen, well, well I thought I'd seen her, but I've seen the band. <laughs> yeah. I went to the Soldier of Love tour. I was backstage. I met Sade. Or Helen. Whatever you want to call her. No. All right, and it was just, yeah. So, for me, I was like, this is crazy. But I was just interested to see what we're like as humans. How we can just fall out. Now, did I try to help the situation and spread understanding? No, I didn't. I, I chose to wind up the the two Nigerians who were very upset on the thread. <laughs> and anyone else who, defended, who, who got offended, I... I chose to, to stir a lot, 
um, and, and be a general arsehole. But so what? So what? But it's, it's just funny, just man, just how we interpret information. Another thing that's been interpreted or misinterpreted is this um, the pay per view football games. Have you seen that? So, what's happened is, um, how do I present this? Because I need to present it in a way so it allows you to maybe understand the misunderstanding. So, you, you'll now see on TV that there's football matches available. For £14.95. Yeah. There's certain matches available £14.95. So a lot of people. On, on Skybox office and BT box office. Now some people are like. Fuck this. I already pay my Sky subscription. Why the fuck am I paying £15. For another game. Fuck that. I'm going to cancel my Sky. And I was like what? Fuck that, I'm cancelling my BT. I'm going to donate my £14.95 to charity. Fuck them. Fuck the TV. Fuck football clubs. Fuck them all. And I was like, what? What is happening here? Because I immediately understood it as this. So these pay-per-view games, they're not replacing televised games. You tell you still got the same six television packages that the, that the Premier League sells, right? So last year, four of them went to Sky, one went to BT, one went to Amazon. So all those TV games are still there. The games that are now pay per view are the games that were never on TV, which means that what you're actually paying for, what you should compare that fifteen pound to, is the cost of going to a game. That would otherwise not have been on TV. So that three o'clock game, you know, which would have been, say, like uh, uh, Newcastle versus Southampton, which would have been at three o'clock. As a Newcastle fan, yeah, you've got to weigh up whether what would be more cost effective for you. Go into the game, which you can't actually go to, but let's say you did go to the game. So you travel to get there, food, drink, all of that, going to the game. Or sitting in your house and paying to watch it. Because it weren't going to be on TV. Or your third option. Don't pay for it. Like you would have done if it was never available. And just watch Match of the Day later. There's nothing to fucking boycott. You either got to pay for the game. Because you, was going, you would have fully liked to watch the game. Or you don't pay for it. But now people are trying to delete the whole Sky subscription. And they're BTs. Like, why? What are you doing that for? You would have had these things anyway. Now you've got to deprive yourself of watching any game of football. Because they tried to make you pay for games that you were never going to be able to see before. I don't get it. I actually don't get it. And then, I'm not sure if just people are willfully misunderstanding it. Some are getting really pissed off about it. Now, I get it. Some football clubs... Because that's the thing as well, the money, that £14.95, not, it's not even going to Sky or BT. It's going to the club. It's going to the clubs that are showing the game. Right? Now, I'm uh, I'm not sure if it goes to the home team. That's one thing I'd be interested to see. Does that money go to the home team? Which I think it should. It should definitely go to the home team. Because if we end up coming out of lockdown and those guys play later on in the season 
yeah, you lose that on your home revenue, so it should go to the home team. But um, it's just nuts. What one thing that the clubs need to do though, you got like your season ticket holders, for example, you need to be giving them their money back, like prorated, giving them their money back for the season ticket. But I'm hearing some clubs, you know, they paid for some fans, they paid for a season ticket, haven't got their money back, and now they're being asked to pay this amount. For that reason, that reason, I'm fully in support of any kind of boycott. But you should be lobbying your club to be like, give me my fucking season ticket money back because there's no games to watch. But you can't have a guy at Sky and BT for providing a platform for you to be able to watch your team. To me, it just blows my mind how people have managed to misunderstand uh, the deal. What's on offer there? When you would have otherwise not been able to see this game. I just don't, I just don't know. I understand. I understand. But, um, right, let's get on um, a bit of Dear Deirdre. Been rambling on. I need to leave here at 6 o'clock and it's 5.16. Right, where is Gugu? Uh, oh, shit, I was reading a cool article. Right, let's open a new tab. Um... Right, I think I made that order. Let's see. Oh, there we go. Why is that so? Jesus Christ, the window's not even open. Okay, let's go, let's go. Dear Deirdre, I had passionate sex with my girlfriend's flatmate and now I want to be with her. Dear Deirdre, I had great sex with my girlfriend's gorgeous flatmate and now I think I want to be with her. I've been with my girlfriend for... Three months and it's been going well until now. Three months, Jesus. I mean, three months is pretty short. In a sense of, if you're going to be living out these crazy fantasies. Fucking, yeah, I guess three months in is alright. I mean, it's not like you're in a long-term relationship with her. And you've established a friendship. and I mean, it's not a cool move. But, I mean, if you are going to do it, then... I mean, yeah. Worst thing is, you're going to walk away from this an absolute legend and you're going to tell your friends they're going to think it's the funniest story ever. Whereas these girls' friendship is ruined for life. <laughs> so, yeah. One nil to the guys. <laughs> um, one, one evening, I called round to her place as we were going bowling with her two flatmates. One of them answered the door. She was wearing a black lacy dressing gown. She said my girlfriend had been held up at work and was going to meet me and the others at the bowling alley. She added that she was just finishing getting ready so I could wait and walk with her if I wanted. Fair enough. Nothing sinister there. I mean, you remembered her lacy dressing gown, which is going to put some ideas in your head. Um, whatever. I'm 24. My girlfriend is 23. Her flatmate's 22 with a great figure. She asked me if I wanted a beer, and as she bent down to get the bottle out of the fridge, her dressing gown became taut over her curvy bottom. Hi. Hugh's there all just like readjusting the collars. Getting all flustered. She's just there looking at you like, handing you the beer. You're just there just in overdrive dribbling in your own shirt. She turned around and gave me the beer. She looked down at my crotch and noticed I was aroused and laughed. Ah, see, I knew it. Um, saying I hadn't seen anything yet. Oh, 
dear. Oh boy. And she then went upstairs to get ready while I sat with my beer thinking about what had just happened. A few minutes later, I heard her calling me. As I got to the top of the stairs, she was waiting for me on the landing still in her dressing gown. She asked me if I wanted to see what she had on underneath. While she talked, she slowly undid the dressing gown and let it drop. I hadn't really paid her much attention in the past, but she looked stunning in a sexy bra which showed off her curves amazingly. I was so turned on, she led me to her room and we had the most amazing sex. I just realised this is before you've gone bowling. with your, So you have to go bowling with your girl. Um, you've called around at the house, so she's probably going to want sex later that night. And uh, I'm not sure what type of guy you are. I mean, you're 24, so you've probably got the energy to do two in one night. Um, and I respect that. But um, you have time for a shower? I'm eating, oof. Let's see. Afterwards, she quickly got changed and we headed to the pub where we joined my girlfriend and her other flatmate. We swapped numbers after the sex. She has been messaging me and we both want to repeat performance. I think I want to be with this other girl now. No, no, no. You do not want to be with her. You want to have sex with her again. Okay? That's what you want. You want to have sex with her again. And then, uh, that's what you want to do. You don't want to be with her. Okay? You don't want to be with her. Don't. Let your dick trick you into thinking you want a relationship. Because your dick will use you, mate. Your dick will use you. Your dick will be like, yeah, we want to be in a relationship with her. Because he knows that's what will make you get close to her. And then dick will get in. And then he'll be like, by the way, we don't want a relationship. And it'll be left for you to deal with the mess. Your dick won't get any blame. Your dick will just be there laughing, going, idiot. Why are you always listening to me? We've had some great times, but it's never the best advice. I'm a dick. Um, she's wrong. My racist mum wants me to spit up with my boyfriend because he is Asian. Dear Deirdre, my mum has taken against my boyfriend because he is from an Asian family. She wants me to split up with him and says everyone laughs at me behind my back. What's there to laugh at? That's, that's so weird. That's such a weird reaction. That's a weird level of racism. That I'm just going to just straight up laugh at your relationship. Yeah, I've never, never known that to be the reaction. You can hate them, be repulsed, fear them. Never seen now just being so racist that they're just amused by your, <laughs> by your boyfriend. It's like, it's just so funny that your boyfriend's Asian. It's just like, no, it's just really funny to me. So, is it? Sweet. Um, so, I'm 20. My boyfriend is 22. We've been together for almost two years. My mum and I ended up having a massive row and I went to stay at my sister's for a while. I couldn't stay at my dad's because he has a new girlfriend who doesn't let me visit. Brilliant. Uh, mum has always been difficult. <sighs> I was raped when I was 14 and it had a terrible effect on my schoolwork until I had counselling, which helped. Yet yeah, mum would say I was struggling with my work because I wasn't trying hard enough and was looking for an excuse. 
Okay, so your mum's got some issues. Um, I guess she felt guilty about, in her mind, letting you get raped. Um, so that's why she's probably trying to play down the effect of it on your life. I mean, that's just an explanation. doesn't make it good. makes it terribly shit, actually. But, um, yeah, that's my... That's my psychoanalysis of that situation um yeah so say i wasn't trying hard enough and i was looking for an excuse i never know what mood she'll be in when i get home she keeps saying i'm pathetic for even needing a boyfriend to be happy she's 43 so she's bitter from the divorce as well because your dad's moved on um so yeah it's not good for her sometimes we get on great but i can't cope with all the emotional abuse i get from her just move away from her I want to move away with my boyfriend, but I feel guilty for leaving her. Don't. All right, she's your mum. It's mum and daughter. She's the mum, you're the daughter. You don't have to look after her. It's great if you do look after your, your parents. Here's the thing. It's transactional. Yeah? And if you've raised your kids right, they'll want to look after you. It's just that simple. And if your kids don't want to look after you when you're older, when you're in any need... Then you've got to kind of look at your life like, what did I do wrong? So I'm telling you, very rarely kids will just be like, fuck my parents. Fuck them. I don't care about them. Very rarely that happens. Unless something has happened. And adults, uh, parents, we have a very, uh, and grandparents have a very like amazing way of, of forgetting the past, remixing history. Or maybe just not acknowledging what you were doing. You know how many people have got parents who used to beat them and then now you tell them now they're older, yeah, you used to beat me. They're like, what? I never used to beat you. Because in their mind, they're good people and beating is now bad. So therefore, they couldn't have done a bad thing because they're good people. Forgetting the fact that when they were beating you, uh, it was acceptable at the time. Even if they were beating you, but over something that was ridiculous. Um, at the time. They felt they were justified doing it. As they've got older. Matured themselves. But I probably would have beat a child. For, for dropping a glass. You know what I mean? But back then. They're like. They're pulling out belts. Flipping extension leads. <laughs> irons. Hammer. <laughs> You know what I mean, some of the stories I hear about, like, not even my generation, just older than me, about, so, grandparents beating my parents' generation. Wild. Just wild things they're getting beaten with. Just like, yeah, you just took out the area off the back of the TV and started whipping my leg. Just like, Jesus Christ. So, like, what did you do? It's like, oh, that's, I spilled some water on my shirt. You know what I mean? It's just like, well, that seems disproportionate. Just a little bit. But well, I know, man. Uh, yeah, so just move away from your mum. Move away from her. Uh, just forget her. Just forget her. She'll hate you. But she's a bit of a dick. That's all, man. Bit of a dick. Um. Right, next one. Oh, 
right uh let's go for this one can't stop i promised my wife i would stop cross-dressing but i still have the uncontrollable urge to do it well you gotta pick which one you want then geese yeah do you want the wife and that internal strife not being able to put on the tights and the blouse and the skirt hey do you want that what i find so strange about a lot of cross-dressers right and maybe i'm i'm definitely talking from a point of pure ignorance um any cross-dressers listening let me know but why do they all dress like whores <laughs> i've never understood this why don't these cross-dressers just dress that nah, actually i'm lying i'm lying i'm lying Maybe it's just TV, because actually I know a few cross-dressers from the comedy circuit and they they just dress like women of their age. So, okay, no, I'll take it back. But the imagery on TV, though, I'm still going to go down this path. The imagery on TV, though, just whores. It's just whores. There's never just like... You know what I mean? To put on some normal clothes. So the guy will be in his 40s. And he won't wear like, you know, a knee length skirt and and a blouse. No, no, he won't. It'll be like seven inch heels, fishnet stockings, bright red lipstick, lacy bra, leather skirt. It's like, what are you doing? Hey, so I just like to feel... It just makes me feel nice. I like the feeling of the clothes on my skin. It's like, what? I just, I don't know. I don't know what happens. I don't know what part of their development got interfered with. Or rewired. Maybe they're born like that. But I don't know. I don't know you're born liking dressing in women's clothes. But, uh... So I think you all dress up when you're younger, right? I used to wear my mum's nighties when I was younger. So it's just long nighty. But the reason I used to wear it is because I thought I looked like a wizard. I was like, it's really long. I'm a wizard. And uh, that was that was it. I never walked around in it thinking, oh, I'm a lady. No, it was, it was never. It's never that. No, it's just, oh, I'm a wizard. So maybe if I picked a different item on my mum's clothing, maybe I would have been a bit weirder. If I picked like a bra, started wearing that on my head. Die. They just never, never appealed to me. Because that kind of stuff you just later develop into, is it? You don't just hit like 35 and be like, you know what? Fancy putting on them fishnets, I do. <laughs> Where's it come from? I need to know. Let's see, anyway. Since my wife caught me wearing women's clothing and makeup the other day, life has been hell. I used to think cross-dressing was a phase that would go away, but the older I get, the stronger the urges. Strange. I'm a man of 48. My wife is 45. We've been married for 20 years. I wonder if there's any... I don't know any black cross-dressers, though. I just don't know if it's a thing. I tried discussing it, but she shuts me down. This is affecting my sex drive and making me miserable. 
I could perform if I was wearing stockings or makeup, but my wife won't hear of it and is now struggling to become aroused. I'll tell my wife I won't cross-dress again, but I know deep down the urge will never go away. Yeah, mate, you got to understand from your wife's perspective. She married a man, yeah? So you say, just let me wear the stockings and, and the makeup. What? Who have you married? If she's like, do you know what? That's totally fine. Just be you. Just express yourself. But here's the thing. You do need to find someone who's exactly like that, though. So good luck. But that's who you need to find. You need to find someone who's just like, whatever. Whatevs. If you want to dress like me, fine. But like I said, you went for the stockings, though. Stockings. It's always stockings. Maybe it's just, maybe just like compression against your legs. Have you ever thought about that? There's men's clothing that's compressed against your legs. Try putting that on and see how you feel. You might like it. You might just like that. You just be like, oh, I didn't need to do the makeup stuff. I just, all I needed was just a bit of compression on my legs. These thermal tights just do the job. What? Really made the thing of this. There was no need. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I don't know. I'm just being stupid. But, um... Okay, I think that's the end of the podcast. I need to go get ready. I need to... I need to put air in my tyre. don't know if I've got a slow puncture or something. I hope not. No, I had a diagnostic check the other day. They looked at it. So, no, I don't. I just need to fill up that tyre. It's just weird. Whereas that side... It's a side I don't even sit on. It's a side that's um, going weird. But, right, that's the end of the pod. Um, I've been chatting for long enough. Uh, again, uh, I said last week, pod was late because uh, of uh, my friend passing away. I went to his funeral on Wednesday. His, um, and that was... That was... Um, that's it. It was such a surreal moment. Sorry to end the pod on this note. It's just... Um, I just came across my mind when I thought about what I was doing this week. I thought if I do it at the start of the pod, it would just damage my mood for the pod. But, um, yeah, still affected by it, um, obviously, because it only happened last week. Um, and he's a friend I hadn't seen for years. But a close friend, nonetheless. Like, we hadn't seen each other for, I'd say, probably eight years. But we went primary school, secondary school, sixth form together... Uh, so many childhood memories together around he was mainly around my house um, when we were younger and, um, and it was just crazy man it's crazy to be at the graveside and just see his picture there um, see his younger brother his older brother his mum uh, just it's, it's always the way it's always the way where it's like when someone dies early, it always seems to be like the heartbeat of the family. It's always that person who dies early. It's just weird how it always works out. And then they've got like a peripheral brother or peripheral sister. Uh, I mean, all siblings are important, but just all the time, all the times I see these young deaths, it's always like it is literally the life and soul of the family. The person who just keeps the family like just pumping and everyone just loves them. 
Like his mum openly said that was her favourite child. <laughs> and the other brothers just accepted that as fact. Just like, yeah, he is. Uh, no resentment about it either. He's like, yeah, that's him. And man, here, here we are. So he's gone. And it's just crazy just to see, see that. Um, I didn't even get to introduce myself to his girlfriend who I've never met. Um, because it's just worth the time. So I'm hopefully gonna go around to the house tomorrow and just spend a bit of time with his his mum and his his brothers. Just, just hopefully just tell some nice stories, man. And just let's try to remember just like the good good times and stuff. But uh, I say that say this in the sense of if you do have friends out there you haven't seen in a while, um. Just, yeah, just try to see them, I guess. Because, I'll say, I guess you never know when's the last time you're going to see them. Um, I mean, I'm lucky I'm level-headed enough to not be, like, sitting here kicking myself with any regrets. It wasn't like, luckily I don't have any kind of weird moment where he rang me the week before and said, I need to see you. If, if nothing, nothing like that's happened. But it's one of those things, it's just, it's just, that's the thing that's drummed into my head, is I'm not going to see this guy again. Like, even when I was at his funeral, seeing all those people there, I was like, do you know what? Do you know who would like to be here? Like, I completely forgot whose funeral I was at. I was like, it's mad that he's not here, you know, because these are all of his friends. Oh my God, I'm at his funeral. But it's like my brain still hasn't connected all these things. And I do keep on waking up thinking about just about him or about the funeral and stuff. And it's just, yeah, it's just slowly come to terms with it and stuff. But um, it will be missed. And I said, people, if you have got friends out there, family out there that you haven't seen in a while, um, especially in these COVID times, I think it, it makes it even easier for us to drift apart. It makes it easy for us to just kind of... Um, use the current situation as a reason to not see each other and I think we have to try to um, fight through that and make sure that we do we do see our, our loved ones so that's it man that's that's my somber note to end the pod on but like I said just even if it's pick up a phone even if it's a bloody video call just some contact not just liking a status on Facebook or retweeting someone yeah, actually reach out and just have a proper chat. Fuck it, even text, even WhatsApp, mate. Just have some contact with that person. Let's not all wait for oh, when lockdown gets lifted. Well, I'll go see this person. Nah, just try it. Try to do it now. All right. Anyway, people, that is episode one hundred and ninety-four of Gris Brain Dump. Uh, peace.